Well, good morning to you. Good to see you this morning. My name is Stephen Elliott, and I'm the pastor of high school ministries here at Grace, and I have the great privilege of coming together and opening God's Word this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians, Colossians 1, and then if you, uh, your Bible has one of these little ribbon things, you may stick one in Matthew chapter 8. Well, as Brian said, we are in our, we're entering into our season of the year that we call our first fruits. It's a time we set aside every November, and we set it, we set it aside around Thanksgiving. It's a time where we call ourselves to return to our first love, return to our priority, return to the call that God gives us to give our first and our best to him. It's a time that we set aside to reprioritize our lives, to come back to God. And we do it every year. It's important that we do it every year because we as humans are just so prone to sin, aren't we? We are just so prone to wanting to do our own thing. We are so prone to wanting to be in charge and to call the shots, uh, to be the lords of our own schedules. We as humans are so eager to serve ourselves. And so it's a time that we set aside to, to come back to what God calls us to do. And so we are looking at time, talents, treasure, and thanksgiving. And this idea of time, talent, and treasure is something that's seen all throughout, and thanksgiving is seen all throughout the scriptures, from cover to cover, really. It's something that, that believers, that followers of the Lord are called to do, are called to give to the Lord, it's a call for all believers in the New Testament and beyond. It's a part of, and it, more than that, it's a part of what we as a church are about. One of the things that's discussed in the Inquirer's class, which, side note, is next week. You should be a part of that. If you are not a member of Grace, you should sign up to be at the Inquirer's class next week. You should be a member. It's uh, going to be next week right after church. You can circle an eye on your communication card. I encourage you, highly encourage you to do that. But one of the things that's talked about in our membership class when we look at what does it mean to be a member of Grace Community Church, we look at membership responsibilities. One of those is to support the ministry of the church, to contribute to the church your time, talents, and treasures. And so that is what we, for this season of First Fruits, are looking at. And I will be talking about time, and next week, our Pastor Tim will be talking about talent. Pastor David Platt, who is a pastor of a church in Alabama, He's a pastor I've been listening to and really, really love and respect and appreciate. He has great, great passion for the Word of God and passion to, to live out God's Word. But he says this, and it struck me so much, I wrote it down quickly, and I, I've stuck it on the bulletin in my office, and I look at it regularly. He said, we live in a day where we idolize the good and trivialize the great. We live in a day where we idolize the good and trivialize the great. As we talk about time, it is critical, it is crucial that we understand that we are called to give God the first and the best of our time. If you're taking notes, that's your main point this morning. That is the, that is the heart, the crux of our text and our message this morning is that we are called to give God the first 
and best of our time. We must change our thinking. We must change our priorities because we are living in a day where we do just that. We idolize the good and trivialize the great. In other words, we pour all of our energy, all of our resources, all of our time, talent, and treasure into pursuing and investing in the things which are not necessarily bad. They are good things, but they consume so much of our time that we have no time for what is greatest. We give the great thing that's following God, following and glorifying and magnifying him. That is the great thing, by the way. We give that only the leftovers, if anything at all. I have an illustration here. It's not one that I came up with. I saw a friend use it and uh, thought it was so great, so I'm stealing it from him. But I need two volunteers. Don't worry. Nice, nice. Right, way to go. Come on up, guys. I won't. In fact, I'm going to have you. Come on up here. Yeah, come on up. In first service, I had everyone I had them stand down there. It was a little hard to see, and uh, I just handed them the rope. And we pulled on both ends, and there was this huge knot that took me a few minutes to unravel. It was a little embarrassing. But what I have here is 365 inches of rope. And, Sammy, you hold that. So I can go ahead and stand right, right up there. There we go. Come on over on this side, Miss Natalie. There we go. Oop, I'm going to put a rope in it, or put a knot in it. Come on, come on, come on. There we go. This rope represents one year of your life and mine. We have 365 days, unless it's a leap year, of course. And there we go. Go ahead and go down there until it's tight. There we go. And don't trip. If you were to take all of the amount of time that you use in a day or in, in your year and turn that into days, you would spend 117 days sleeping, which is right there. You would spend 92 days at work or driving to work. If you live in Southern California, it would go out much further <laughs> due to traffic. You would spend 80 days in leisure. That's from here to there in leisure time. Now, in that, 42 days out of your year is spent watching television 17 days is spent on social media and texting. If you were in high school, social media and texting would be from about there to there. Some of you adults are way worse than the kids, actually. <laughs> I'm kidding. 17 days. 18 days are spent eating. It's there to there. And that's just eating, not preparing food, moms. Again, that's for you moms. That's <laughs> moms are nodding their heads. 14 days are spent in the bathroom and grooming. Again, teenage girls, much longer. This is, a, this is an on average, by the way. Junior high boys, grooming is about... <laughs> Speaking as one who used to be a junior high boy. Um, 20 days are spent doing household activities. 19 days are spent helping and serving others. And then all of them. Four to five days are spent doing religious activities. That includes going to church, serving the Lord. All right. Thanks, volunteers. I have candy for you. There you go. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, you all wish you volunteered, didn't you? 
There you go. Thanks, Sam. We as Americans consume a great deal of time on things that ultimately don't really matter and don't really last. And this morning, I want us to realize two things. One is that we need to devote quality time with God. We need to devote quality time with God. We overload and overcommit our schedule with things that don't truly matter. And we don't commit and we don't prioritize the things that do matter. And number two is that God must be at the foundation of all of our time. This morning, I don't want to communicate that what we need to do is just set aside more time for religious things, as my, as my uh, you know, paper said. It's not just about, okay, instead of spending four to five days out of a year, we would be really, really good Christians if we spent 10 or 12 or more days. That's what a good Christian— No, that's what the Pharisees did, and that's what the Pharisees believed. We need to realize that, that beyond that, beyond being purposeful about spending quality time with God, we have to realize that God must be at the foundation of all of our time. And Brian did such a great job. I really don't need to say much more than that because he did such a great job of elaborating that. But God must, be, must possess every part of our rope. I think that we have become content with just secluding one corner, one part of our life to serving God, to giving time to him, to spending time with him. But ultimately, following God means that we give him every part of our rope, that he is every part of our life. Colossians 1, hope you have that open. This is a profound text and one that we could spend so much time studying and and, and reflecting on it is when I encourage you to read and to study and to think through and to meditate on in, on your own. There are so many profound implications here. But listen to what Paul says. He, speaking of Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And what Paul is not communicating there is that Christ was the first one created, but this idea of firstborn is preeminent. It's, it's an Old Testament word which means most important, of greatest importance, preeminent. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Listen to this. This is, this is critical. All things, all things, including our time, were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. That word in the original Greek, all, means all. It means everything. There's no like, oh, it kind of means this. No, it means all. It means everything was created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, including our time and our schedules. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The fact is, and what we have to get this morning, what we have to understand in order to accurately understand time and the idea of how Christians are to use their time, 
we have to understand the fact that our time, air quotes, and our schedule and our very selves belong to Christ, and we exist in our time and our schedule and ourselves exist to glorify and to magnify and to serve and to obey him, and that's it. If we choose to call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, then we submit to his call and his demands to be Lord of our schedules and our time and our priorities. Jesus communicated this very clearly in Matthew 8. Again, if you've got uh, a ribbon tucked away or that bookmark in Matthew 8, flip over there. Matthew 8, 18 to 22 tells a story of two different disciples that Jesus called to follow him. And Jesus responds differently to both because he sees their heart. I think it's I think it's critical that you understand that. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, Jesus says, You want to follow me? Listen, I don't even own a home. I don't even have a place to sleep. You want to follow me? It means that you have to be willing to give up even that, even the most basic comforts. Guys, if we are going to be followers of Christ, we need to realize that we have a call to be willing to give up anything and everything, and that includes our schedule and our priorities. And then he says this, and this really strikes at the heart of that issue. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, at first glance, this seems really, really heartless on Jesus' part. He's like, wait, what? His father just died? Really? I think what it's, what it's communicating, what this man was communicating is that he needs to go first and take care of the affairs of his home. Uh, I, I, we think what he was trying to say at the heart of it was that you know, his father was along in years and he had a first priority for him was to take care of the things going on, the business at home, take care of his father. And then when his father had passed and those things were settled, then he could give himself to following Jesus. In other words, he had certain priorities in his schedule and Jesus was going to come after the, those priorities. Jesus following Jesus was going to follow taking care of the things at home. The notes in my, study, in my study Bible elaborate on this well. It says, while Jesus clearly upholds the biblical command to honor father and mother, as seen in Matthew 15, 1 through 9, the call to follow him rises above all other allegiances. Anything that hinders unqualified commitment to him and to the new covenant family of faith must be set aside. That is profound. And there's three practical aspects that I think are important that we, that we wrap our mind around in order to accomplish this call to give God our first and our best, to give God the first fruits of our time. There's three practical ways that I believe we live that out day to day. Number one, if you're taking notes, is that we give the first fruits of our time by prioritizing quality time with him each day. We give the first fruits of our time by prioritizing quality time with him each day. I believe that one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy is that it is okay for Christians to, is that towards Christians is that it is okay for them to spend minimal, if any time, alone with the Lord just as long as they live generally good lives. 
I think Satan has deceived us into thinking that just as long as we are good people, pretty regularly attend church, try and live good, wholesome lives, that is good enough. And if our schedule is just too busy doing good things to spend quality time alone with the Lord, that's okay. I think that is a deception from the enemy. If you've prayed a prayer and attend church somewhat regularly, that's good enough. Genuine study of the scripture is for the pastor or for the older generation. It's not for the busy parent. Genuine study of the scripture is for the person who is really smart in those areas. It's not for the person who's just not a reader. Friend, you and I must confess that this thinking is ridiculous, that it's selfish, and that it's lazy. It's foolish thinking, and it's deceptive. We have to be students of the Scripture. I get that there are parts of it that don't, aren't quite clear, and that's okay. We will spend our whole lives studying Scripture, and that's the joy of it, is that there will always be more to know and to understand. As I said, we've got to be students of Scripture. We've got to set aside quality time to spend with the Lord, not knowing it just for the sake of being super religious and really, really smart. No, we have to be students of Scripture and spend time in prayer and spend time meditating on God's words so that we can draw closer to him so that we will fall more and more in love with him. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have the ability to read and to understand and to apply and to live out the texts that the Holy Spirit has inspired. We must be people who passionately love the Lord and long to spend time with him and to know him more through prayer, reading, and meditation. The psalmist in Psalm 119 writes this in huge chapter. I'm not going to read it all here because we would be here for an hour. It is a long text. I encourage you to read it, though, because in the whole thing, he just pours out his heart towards the Lord, and he goes in, into great depths explaining how much he loves drawing close to the Lord by reading his word. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Do you see just that passion to draw close to the Lord through his word? We have to have that passion too. Parents, what your kids need far more than your presence at their soccer games and sporting events and your band reviews, what they need more than any of those things. And those are good things, but what they need more than any of that is, for, is your personal holiness. They need for you to be a man or a woman who passionately loves the Lord, a man or woman who draws close to the Lord and gets nourishment from his word daily. More than anything else, the greatest thing you can do is to be a passionate follower of Christ who commits real time to spend with him. Your kids see you on the sidelines of their games, but have they ever caught you spending time reading from God's word or in prayer? Or on the other side of the pendulum, maybe, maybe you are very disciplined in the area of reading. Maybe that is something that, that is rarely missed. That quality, quiet time with the Lord is something that is, that is always there. But where are you at in service to the Lord through his through serving his people, through serving at the church? Do you set aside quality time each week? Is that a priority in your schedule, in your day, or in your week? I did the math, and 42 days out of the year spent watching TV equals about two and a half hours 
of TV watching every single day. Folks, if we have time to spend two and a half hours every day watching TV, how is it we don't have enough time in a week to spend one hour serving in a Sunday school class or in Awana or at Harvest Festival? Folks, we have to be diligent about serving in God's church. We have to make it a priority. Do you devote yourself to fitness and exercise and diet and health, but neglect the fitness and diet of your souls? 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Do your children know where your true priorities are? Absolutely they do. They see where you spend your time, and they know that's where your priorities are. This haunts me as well, by the way, as I read through this, I think, what are my priorities? Where do I, what does my time say about my priorities? And children and young people, don't make the mistake in thinking that this is just for the older generation. Don't make a mistake in saying, you know what, when I get older, I'm going to get more serious about my faith. I'm going to, when I get older, when I have more time out of school, I'm going to, I'm going to spend time reading, really reading the Bible. No, God calls us to spend time with him every day. Today is the day. Today is the moment that the Lord has given you, and we are called to spend time with him. Mark 4, 18 through 20, Jesus warns about the life, warns about uh, different, the way people, different people spend their lives. And he uses the parable of the sower and the seed, and he says, that there's different soils and the seed was planted on different soils and it has different results depending on the heart of the person. And listen to this. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the, those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. I wonder how many times the greatness of the word is choked out by the goodness of the cares for other things. And it proves un unfruitful. Is your life so busy and so distracted that you have no time for the things which are of greatest importance? Then our lives are too busy and too distracted and we need to reprioritize. Number two, we give God the first fruits of our time by prioritizing time for what he desires us to do. By prioritizing time for what he desires for us to do. In parentheses, write this. Divine appointments disguised as interruptions. Divine appointments disguised as interruptions. Are we so locked into our schedule and our routine and our time off that we have no room for the interruptions? Nobody was busier than Jesus. Nobody's time was in greater demand than Jesus's time. If we think we are busy, Jesus was busy. If you think People are counting on us and that we have important things to do where people were really counting on Jesus. He had more important things to do than us. But he always saw interruptions as divine appointments. Interruptions weren't interruptions to him. They weren't problems. In Matthew 14, it tells the story of Jesus right after he heard the news that his friend and cousin John the Baptist had been senselessly executed. And it says that he sought to, to spend time to get away, to be in a desolate place by himself. In verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. 
But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He didn't go, ugh, ugh. Wait, hang on, I'm going to pull out my cell phone and make it look like I'm talking on the phone, and maybe they'll ignore me. Maybe, they'll, maybe they won't see me. He had compassion on them. And also in Matthew, it says he looked at the crowds and he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people and he had a heart for them. He reached out to them. He made time for them. How do you take the interruptions in your day? When somebody stops into your office to talk, when somebody calls you and it's that person that you have plugged in your phone so you know they're calling so you won't answer it, how do you see that interruption? When you, go to the sto- when you go to the store and get home only to realize that you need to go back and get something else, do you see that as a frustration or do you see that as an opportunity to demonstrate patience and to trust in the Lord? Yesterday, uh, I, was, I was helping somebody move and I've got a truck, so by nature you are called on to help people move. Uh, but I, I, I was helping somebody move and I don't know if you know Chris and Jason Wood, really great guys, but they were there as well, and we were, we were helping this person move, and, and I drove over there, no problems with my, with my truck, and then I, I went to move it, and I'll hear it's like, clang, 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 clang in the engine, which is never good. You never want to hear that, right? And I thought, oh, that's not good. And so I popped the hood, and I could see that there was something, you know, belts weren't spinning, and that's not a good thing, and so, you know, we finished helping them move, and... Um, Chris and Jason just stopped exactly, you know, everything that they were doing, and they spent, we spent probably 20, 30 minutes, me standing by like this, and, you know, not knowing exactly, and they were in the, in the engine trying to, you know, figuring out exactly what was going on, and working on it, and busting their knuckles, and getting grimy and greasy, and after they had already spent hours serving, they were willing and glad, and I, I was like, oh, really sorry, guys, thanks so much for your help, I'm, I'm really sorry, and they their attitude was just, oh, no, no big deal. Glad, glad we were be able to be here to help. See, that's the attitude of Christ. That's the attitude that says, my time is not my time. My time is spent serving the Lord and ministering to his people. Jesus had that heart, and so do we. Something I've been working on praying each day, I, I write this down, and I keep it in my desk, and I try and pray through this each day because I, I want to have that heart, and it's, it's a struggle to have that heart. And that attitude, but I try and pray, Lord, help me to be prepared for what you have planned for me. Help me to be prepared for what you have planned for me. Number three, we give God the first fruits of our time by making him the center of our time. We give God the first fruits of our time by making him the center of our time. When I was in elementary school, our teacher would, uh, you teachers, always try incentives, right? Try to incentives to get kids to do the things you want them to do. I had this teacher, I think it was when I was in second grade, and she had, the, she had this incentive to get the class to read more. And if you spent, I think it was 20 page, you know, if you read, I think it was like 20 or 50 pages or something like that, if, if you, every, for every 50 pages you would read or whatever, you would have your parents sign statements saying that you did that, and then she would take a strip of, of construction paper and staple it together, and she would make a like a construction paper chain. And for every one, she would add a link to it for every kid that read. And as the, as the chain stretched all the way around the classroom, when the chain connected, uh, when it circled the, the, all the classroom, the classroom would get an ice cream party. Well, I like ice cream. I always have. <laughs> so I read a lot, but I wouldn't 
read for the sake of reading. I wouldn't spend time doing what I was supposed to do and, and really know it and understand it. It was just this, I would just read as fast as I could so that I could get the pages, so that I could get the ice cream, because that's, that's what I really wanted. I think sometimes as Christians, we have that, we have that mentality where we're just going to do what we're supposed to do, clock in, clock out, and be done, and we're on, we're on to our next thing. It's, and, you know, we, where we have that idea that we, we need to spend, to really be good Christians, we just need to spend this much more time. We set aside, as I said, those corners of our day, but we have to realize that if Jesus is going to be Lord of our life, he is Lord of every part of our life, every moment of every day, as Brian was saying. We have to Give him the first fruits by making him the center, the foundation of our time. We're not supposed to sit around in monks in some far-off tower. We are supposed to go to work. We are supposed to sleep. We are supposed to spend time with our kids. It's okay to spend some time watching TV and to rest and unwind, but there's times when we've rested enough. We need to make the Lord every part of our life. We need to realize that he is at the center Following him means that each inch, each day, is ultimately from him and for him. As Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is the Lord of our life. Jesus has to be the Lord of every moment, of every day of our time. Pray with me. Gracious Lord, even as I speak, Lord, and as I, as I think through, I am far too aware of, of times where in my schedule I just push you to the corner and I'm in charge. So, Lord, we pray that, I pray that you would forgive me for that. I pray, Lord, that we would be purposeful about setting aside time to spend with you, that we would serve you, that we would make you Lord of our time. Lord, thank you for what you've given to us. Thank you for your great and endless grace. And as we go now, Lord, into a time of communion, I pray that we would have our hearts focused on you, that we would hear what you call us to. We pray this in your name. Amen.